Matter of fact, it was at you. How many of you men risked at least once this past week before you went to sleep or at some appropriate time grabbed your bride's hand and you lifted her up before King Jesus? Can I see your hands? Good job, guys. Okay, now some of you didn't raise your hand. It's not too late, okay? And those of you who did just raise your hand, I'm going to check on you next week too, okay? So we want to keep this, this going, okay? This is good stuff. Um, today we're going to examine leadership in the church of Jesus Christ. Um, God's standards for those who are called to serve by leading in the local church. So uh, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 3. While you turn there in your Bibles, um, let me just uh, ask a question. Um, in the Old Testament, what was God's tool to uh, reach the world? Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi, what was God's tool? It was Israel. It was God's chosen people, the nation of Israel, the Jews. Uh, today, What's God's vehicle to reach the lost world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Any guesses? It's the local church. The local church is God's plan, God's redemptive tool to reach and change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about the New Testament with me and think of all the books. Okay, just a minute now. Think. Romans was written to the church at Rome. Ephesians was written to the church at Ephesus. Uh, First and second Corinthians was written to the church at Corinth. Uh, Galatians is written to the churches in the region of Galatia. Philippians is written to the church at Philippi, you got it. Colossians to the church at Colossae. Um, First and second Thessalonians was written to the church at Thessalonica. That's a fun one to say. Um, and we know First and Second Timothy was written to young Timothy instructions on how people should conduct themselves in the church. Where? Where, where is Timothy ministering? Anybody remember? The church at Ephesus. So we're back here to the church at Ephesus. And, and I would just add one more. The book of Revelation, Revelation 1-4, is written to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Um, the local church, let me say this again, is God's tool, God's plan to make the biggest dent in hell possible. God's tool and plan to reach the church, to reach the world, is the local church. If you want to make a difference for eternity, if you want to get in the game and really make a difference in your life, I'm telling you, the action is happening in the local church. Now, let me get a little more specific. Churches that are Bible-based, Jesus-focused, cross-included, that's the type of church we're talking about. And when you get involved with one of those biblical Jesus, gospel, cross-focused church, now suddenly you're in the game. And that's what God wants to use to reach his world, which is why church leaders in those churches are so important. As goes church leaders, so goes the churches. Does that make sense? As the leadership, that's true everywhere, but as the leadership in the church goes, so goes the church. 
So if that's God's tool to reach the world, then suddenly now the church leadership is like really, really important. Um, I said this before, but when I was up candidating and thinking about coming to Walloon, and I know, Bob, you guys had reservations about me, but you gotta be, I gotta be honest, it went both ways. I was a little concerned about a Walloon, what is that? Up here in the middle of nowhere, there wasn't even a Walmart or a Target back then. There was only one Burger King near, anyway, we could go, we could go on. There wasn't a McDonald's in Boyne City yet. Uh, it was like in the middle of nowhere. What impressed me was the leaders in the church at Walloon. Even when we were down, we were in the youth center, y'all. Did you know that? Yeah, when I first got here, we were down, first year and a half I was here, we were down in the youth center in that little, that little building down there, and it was the same ugly red carpeting back then, okay? So, so we suffered, we passed the joy on to you with that beautiful, and if somebody here donated that, that wonderful red carpeting, God bless you. So, I just got to think it. Oh, man. <laughs> Ah, can you tell I didn't write that down? I was just extra. <laughs> but I do hate that carpeting. Uh, <laughs> do I hear an amen, Laura? <laughs> okay. I'm sure it was beautiful in its day. Here's how Jesus explained it. Back on track, uh, ADD pastor. Uh, Luke 6.40 says this. Jesus explains it. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. In other words, um, the character of the church and the quality of its leaders are, are permanently linked as one. Those that are leading and leading the charge under the authorities, they will affect the rest of the flock. The teachers fully will teach and fully train, the students will become just like their teachers, their pastors. Um, if the church leaders are Bible-centered and focused, the church will be Bible-centered and Bible-focused. If the church leaders are missions-minded, sure enough, the church will become mission-minded. If the church's leaders are soft on sin, any guesses? Where will the church be? They'll be soft on sin. If the church leaders are greedy and stingy, what will happen in the church? The church in time as a whole become greedy and stingy. And if the church leaders are generous and sacrificial, any guesses? The church will be, say it, generous and sacrificial. It's, it's the way we are. It's the way the Lord has made us, and that's exactly what's going to happen. So the character and the integrity of church leaders is vital and necessary. So this is like really important to the body of the church. So let's stand and read out loud what God expects from leaders in his church. 1 Timothy chapter 3, we'll start with verse 1, we'll read down through verse 13. You ready? Here we go. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, 
not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be a part of your church. And we just want you to know this is your church here in Walloon Lake. It's the church of your son, our savior, our creator, our Lord, our master, Jesus Christ. So uh, thank you for uh, allowing us to exist. Thank you, Lord, for empowering us to exist. Thank you, Lord, for being the brains and the one who leads and guides, the one who corrects when we get off and uh, go astray. Thank you for being the one who forgives when we mess up. Thank you, Lord, for, uh, for being the head of your church. And, and now, thank you, Lord, for giving us human leadership here in your church. And we even appreciate, Lord, the, uh, the qualities and the characteristics that you expect and you demand in the leadership of your church. So, Lord, help us to understand exactly what it is that uh, you're talking about. Help us, Lord, to get it. And, uh, Lord, may, uh, may these lips be clear and understandable this morning. Lord, I, I pray for uh, sleepy eyes this morning that you might wake them up. Lord, uh, for those who are uh, easily distracted, for those who have a busy week ahead, Lord, help us to focus on your word. Help us, Lord, to hear what it is you have to say to us regarding these verses that we just read. And uh, Lord, I, I want to pray right now. I want to pray specifically for those who are troubled. We have some who are troubled physically, some who are troubled financially here, some troubled marriages. We have folks who have uh, trouble on the job. We have some who are troubled emotionally and mentally. Lord, uh, there are some who spiritually are troubled. Lord, I'm asking that uh, even as we stand in your church, 
that uh, you might bring comfort and peace and wisdom and grace and mercy to help those who are troubled in their time of need. So thanks. Thanks that you're there and you're awesome. And Lord, may we in your church be willing to reach out to our church family and show love and kindness and uh, care to those who are in trouble. So Lord, help us to pay attention to those who are hurting around us even right now. And finally, Lord, we recognize that uh, it's been a long week, been lots of opportunities to mess up and fall and fail and uh, do what your word calls sin. So Lord, uh, we want to give you an opportunity even now as we gather together, if there's a sin that we've not dealt with, sin that uh, is building a wall and a barrier between us and your son, Jesus Christ. Would you point that out right now? Things that we uh, have participated in, we've listened to, we've thought, we've said that you call sin. Would you point that out if we've not taken it and repented of that? And, and, and even at right now, as you're showing us clearly what's going on, we're already in our minds doing the U-turn. We're running to the cross. And those things that you're making clear right now, we're going to call it the same thing you call it. We're going to call it sin. And because of what you've done on the cross, because of your shed blood, we're asking that you might wash and cleanse and purify us. Lord, we want to be in right relationship with your son in your church today. So as we confess, Lord, tear down those walls and those barriers between us and your son. May, uh, may the awesome king of the cross, Jesus Christ, be lifted high in his church today. And all the church gathered at Walloon said with joy to our Savior and our soon coming king. Amen. You may be seated. I think it's interesting that uh, in these verses, you're not really getting a job description. Wouldn't you expect that? Well, here, Bruce, you know, here's what you're supposed to do, this and this and this and this, but you don't get a list of duties and responsibilities in these verses. Instead, you get character qualities. You, you get uh, spiritual and moral and integrity issues for those who qualify to serve as leaders in the local church. So uh, we're going to dig in and do uh, some uh, digging in these 13 verses, and we'll draw some conclusions at the end. Okay? Um, verse 1, here's a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Um, it's an excellent goal. It's an excellent calling to set your heart, look at verse 1, in leading in the church of Jesus Christ. That, that's a good and a noble thing, to be a leader in the local church. Interesting to note, and I need to remember this, um, church leaders should want to serve in the local church. Um, this is not something where you pressure or you push or you 
draft someone to be a church leader if they're not desiring to be a church leader. Make sense? So, so that's the first thing you need to get. It's something that in your heart you should want and desire. It's a noble calling. It's not something that other folks should be pushing and drafting and pressuring others into. Verse 2. Now, the overseer, that's who we're talking about now. Um, some translations say bishop. Now, the bishop in Titus um, and in Ephesians 4, they're called elders. And it seems, listen close, that overseer, bishop, and elder are really the same title. They are the same idea. They are the key leaders and teachers in the local church. So we're talking about the key leaders, the key teachers, the head spiritual leaders. Uh, we might call them pastors and shepherds. We might call them the, the key qualified laymen in the church. So uh, that's who we're talking about here, overseers, bishops, elders. So what qualities, what characteristics should mark an elder, a bishop, an overseer, a pastor? Here we go. There's 10 of them here. I'm going to break them down. There's actually more, but I'm going to lump a few of them, okay? So here we go. 10 qualities quickly that need to be a part of an elder, a bishop, an overseer, a pastor, and we're going to add in a little bit, verse 8, a deacon. Okay? So here we go. Number one, um, verse 2, they must be above reproach. Uh, their reputation needs to be a good one. Now, we're not talking about perfection because if we're talking perfection, Jason, what's the problem with that? Um, no one qualifies. We all have flaws. We all have weak spots. No one qualifies if above reproach means perfection. However, what it is saying is when you observe a church leader's conduct, it should be obvious that they are godly and they are good and they are righteous people and they desire to live strong for Jesus above reproach. And when they mess up, what, what, should, what should happen? Uh, Myron, any guesses? And they're going to mess up. So when a church leader messes up, what should they do? They should own it and make it right. Not that they won't mess up, but when they mess up, and they will, own it, own up to it, and then make it right. Back to verse 2. Second qualification regards a church leader's Marriage. Interesting. Interesting. The husband of but what? One wife. One wife. And it seems that down, at least in recent years, everybody's caught up, Todd, in the number. I would argue that the focus isn't on the number of wives, but in the type of man this man should be. Uh, literally, in the Greek, here's what it means, a one-woman sort of man. So the focus isn't on the number, it's on the heart and the integrity of the husband. Make sense? A one-woman sort of man. 
um, because we know people who are married, but they're not a one-woman sort of man. Is that not true? Do you know people who are married and they got wandering eyes? Well, if you're just focusing on the number, well, they're still qualified. But if it's a one-woman sort of a man, no, I'm sorry, you're not qualified. If you've got roving eyes, if you've got eyes um, and you're that constant flirt with a hundred women, I'm sorry, you're not qualified. This is the type of man who's clearly devoted and faithful to his wife. And we could spend like a half hour now, well, what about people who aren't married? And uh, I would argue if they are a one-woman sort of man, not that flirtatious, why would I say that? Well, otherwise, we would have to say that Jesus and the Apostle Paul weren't qualified to be church leaders. And, and I think, obviously, that, that doesn't make a lick of sense. Um, so if you see that type of single man who is a one-woman sort of man, they, they are people of integrity regarding the opposite sex, they would be qualified as well. Uh, third quality of a church leader is they need to have their life under control. Verse 2, temperate, self-controlled, respectable. Um, that's someone who's not easily angered, not hot-headed. This is someone who manages well his words and his deeds. Um, clearly the Lord's at work in their life and you can see that they manage their life with Christ's help well. That's the idea here. Okay? They, they have their life under the control of Jesus which shows itself in their words and their deeds. Fourth qualification is about his ministry. Two things, verse two, he adds on hospitable and able to teach and did some digging and literally hospitable means a lover of strangers. And the idea is a little bit like the Good Samaritan and there's a heart to help and show love and concern to people that you've never met before and you just have a heart for people and you're willing to do that without grumbling. That should mark church leaders. You just have a natural heart for people that you haven't even met yet. And go back to verse 2, hospitable and able to teach. Um, spiritual leaders of the church are those who open up God's word. So you should be able to understand God's word and explain God's word. And much of, a fee, and much of 1 Timothy, excuse me, is about correcting false teachers. So you need to be able as a leader to recognize error when it doesn't line up with God's word and then go and confront those who are using it in a false way. Fifth quality of a church leader, verse three, not given to, what's your translation say? Drunkenness, drunkenness. Um, literally not lingering around wine. Is, is how the Greek says it. Not one who lingers around bars, uh, we might say. Um, let me say this. Alcohol is the underlying cause for more divorces, more damaged families, more destroyed careers, 
more car accidents, more messed up kids, by far than any other cause. It's the entry level drug for almost every addict, alcohol. Oh, and by the way, it's legal. So, so surely if it's legal, it must be okay, right? Um, this says, go back to verse three, church leaders cannot lead the church and be controlled by the spirit and be controlled by alcohol, Ephesians 5.18. Challenge all of you. <laughs> when it comes to alcohol, it will cause more damage, has the potential to be the most dangerous thing that you ever involved yourself in. And let me just look at you all right here, okay? And, and if I have one strong challenge, just run. <laughs> no, I don't need that. And, and the truth is, it tastes nasty, and it does nasty things to you, and it destroys lives, so why would you want to go there? Why would you want to go there? Okay, I'm off my little tangent, but it felt good. Sixth quality <laughs> um, regarding church leaders is their temperament. Look at verse 3. You know why? Because Bob and I wind up, and Anita, we wind up cleaning up the mess of alcohol. So I'm sorry, i got to say this. It, it destroys so much. Now we're left cleaning up the mess and working with the aftermath after alcohol burns families down to the ground. And now, we're, okay, we're, we're on number six, but I'm still thinking number five. Church leaders need to have the right temperament, verse three. Not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. One commentator said there must be a sweet reasonableness and graciousness to church leaders. A sweet reasonableness. I, I like how that sounds. In, in other words, they keep their strength under the control of Jesus and his spirit. And, and, and it's a little bit like a horse, strong, powerful. Anybody got a horse here? Anybody? Horses? Anyone? Yeah, a few of you. Yeah, it's keeping that horse under control and, and you're, you put the bit in the mouth and then that way just a small bit can keep a really huge horse under control. Right, Jean? So that's the idea and, and church leaders are to allow Jesus to put the bit in our mouth and be under the control of a skilled rider in our life and his name is King Jesus. Seventh quality relating to church leaders is money. Verse three, not a lover of money. We're gonna to get to this in uh, several weeks. First, Corinthians, First Timothy, excuse me, six, nine, and 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Let me say that again, Ruthie. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. You cannot chase after money and at the same time be chasing after King Jesus. You cannot serve money and Jesus at the same time. How do you know that? Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. So think with me now. If you're chasing after money and you're a church leader, you cannot at the same time be chasing after Jesus as the purpose of your life. Therefore, you don't qualify to be a church leader. 
Because to be a church leader, first, you gotta be chasing after Jesus, first and foremost. And if you're chasing after money, you cannot at the same time, maybe you think you're the exception, you're not. You cannot chase after both money and Jesus. Impossible. According to Jesus, Matthew 6, 24. Eighth quality relates to a leader's family. And I think this is interesting. Verse 4. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Priority for church leaders, you ready? Is to put their family above the church ministry. And I can't tell you how many church leaders, I'll go a step, I can't tell you how many pastors put the church and its ministries above their families. And, and, and the time and the energy and the focus is all about the church instead of being about their families. Key word here is, look back, manage. It says it twice. They are to be a good manager. There are no perfect families. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> Isn't that true? Some of you over here don't believe that. Do you think they're perfect families? There are no perfect families, amen? Gotcha. No such thing. But a good manager, when things go bad, a good manager takes wise and loving action to correct the problems. Make sense? So, so it's not that they have a perfect family, but they are very aware of what's going on. And when there are problems, take wise and loving action to correct whatever the issue is. That's the characteristic here. Ninth quality involves a church leader's maturity. Look at verse 6. He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. The moment that you and I receive Jesus Christ by faith, instant freedom, instant new life in Christ, right? You're tracking? Instantly you are free from sin, Satan, and self. Suddenly you have a new life in Jesus Christ. So instant freedom, but there is no such thing as instant maturity. And there's a big difference. I'm free. I've got new life in Jesus Christ. But according to James 1, 2 to 4, where does maturity come, come from? You ready? Time plus trials equals maturity. Time plus trials, and that's trials over a, a period of time, that's what brings maturity. And he's warning, verse 6, look at it. If you make somebody a church leader too quickly before you've allowed a proper amount of time and trials to go by, you're not doing them or the church any favors. They're, they're going to fall. They're going to fail. Pride's going to set in, verse 6 says. Tenth and final quality of elders, overseers, verse 7. And he kind of circles back around on this. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. 
So a, a good test is to head out into the community where the potential church leader lives and ask a few questions. What do you, what do you think of this person? What do you think of their integrity? What's your experience been with this person? And verse seven, look at it. They should have a good, people who don't know Jesus, who don't go to church, who don't care about God's word, they should have good things to say about church leaders. Now they might not like what they have to say about Jesus, but they respect who they are because Jesus is clearly reflected in their lives. Now verse eight switches gears, look at it. And now he goes from talking about overseers, bishops, elders, and now he's gonna talk about deacons. Um, literally the word means servant. And it seems that deacons began in Acts chapter six. And you can do that as your homework this next week, okay? Acts six, let me give you the, the, the short version. The 12 apostles, they're devoted in, on prayer and teaching God's word, but suddenly now there's this problem with widows. And the Jewish widows and the Greek widows, they're not being taken care of properly, and now there's a little fire in the church. Here's what they do. They say, you know what? We need to keep focusing on prayer and teaching God's word. We need some people to help us out here. So they seek out godly men full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, and these men serve the church in that way. And now look at verses 8 through 12. You're going to get the characteristics and the qualities of deacons. But what's interesting? They're almost identical, Jack, to elders. There's very little difference. As you read about the qualities and the characteristics required in the deacons, almost identical to the elders. Um, here in Walloon, just give me your attention for a minute. Let's get a, a little practical here as far as us. Here at Walloon Lake Community Church, East Jordan Community Church, we have a mixture of elders and deacons. Um, some are more focused on teaching God's word and prayer. Others are more focused on administrating and organizing the church and the needs of the flock. But I want you to look at verse 13 because it's a pretty cool promise, okay? Here, here's what it says, verse 13, those leaders who serve well, here's a promise in the same, um, a deacon uh, must be faithful, and then it says those who have served well will gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. An excellent standing before King Jesus and an extra measure of assurance in their relationship with the head of the church, Christ Jesus. Um, why do they get that extra measure of assurance? You wanna know why I think? Okay, there's lots of different ideas, but let me just give you my thought. I think it's because the church leaders have a front row seat in seeing what God's doing in the local church, which is, oh, by the way, God's plan to reach and change northern Michigan. God's tool to make the biggest dent in hell in northern Michigan is the local church. And think about it, church leaders have like a front row seat to see what's going on here. And, and therefore, there's an extra measure of assurance when you're able to see God at work in and through his church. Okay, I got eight minutes 
to give you four conclusions, okay? And, and if you're taking notes, here we go. Here's four conclusions from this passage. First conclusion is this, both here, Titus, Ephesians 4, Acts 6, um, there are more than one leaders. There is, let me, let me give you the fancy, there's a plurality of leadership. There, there's more than one. There's a plurality of elders and overseers and deacons in the local church. It's God's intention not just to have one boss hog sort of a guy. Remember you Dukes of Hazards fans? You're not supposed to just have one big boss hog and everybody falls underneath. That's not the way it's supposed to be in the local church. Sometimes um, we Protestants throw rocks at our Catholic brethren and we grumble about the choosing of one pope. And then we who are throwing our rocks, then we install one pastor as our little Protestant pope and he is the boss hog, and he's calling all the shots. And I'm just here to tell you, God never intended for one person to be the king of the jungle in the local church. There is a wisdom and safety in numbers, and I would argue even in small churches, it's God's plan for leadership to be shared amongst plural, more than one leader. Second conclusion. Uh, last week we saw that teaching elders in the church, look at verse 12 of 1 Timothy 2, would you? Um, sorry to bring up a, a sore subject, ladies, but we saw that men should be the, the key lead teachers in the church. Um, that's the qualifications uh, that was demanded for teachers, and now we've just read through 13 verses and let me just tell you the obvious, you ready? Every one of the uh, gender assignments is masculine and male. And it's more pronounced in the Greek than it is in the English. So, so let me just tell you, it's all about elders and overseers and deacons should be men. And that's not just true here, it's true in Titus and Ephesians and the book of Acts as well. There were no women apostles appointed by Jesus. Can I point that out? Even though there were lots of very strong, capable women around him. Um, in the book of Acts, Ephesians, Titus, Timothy, no women elders, no women overseers, no women bishops, no women deacons, even though, again, many strong and capable women Paul speaks very highly of. Those who want to make the case, let me, let me just explain, for women pastors and women elders and deacons, they say that it's all cultural. Jesus and the Apostle Paul, they didn't want to ruffle any feathers. Jesus and the Apostle Paul, they didn't want to antagonize their culture, and that's why it's all male. So, so let's just ponder that just for a moment with me, would you please? Uh, let's just think about that. Jesus was reluctant to antagonize the culture. Hmm. Antagonized the Pharisees, took on the Sadducees, confronted the Sanhedrin, went after the chief priests, not afraid of Herod or Pilate, willing to confront Rome and Caesar, 
willing to confront the temple and the produce and the money changers with a whip. And last week, Paul's argument, remember verses 13 and 14 of chapter 2? It wasn't from culture. Paul's argument was from Scripture, Genesis 2 and 3. Please hear my heart. I understand. I'm not a fool. I get it. This is not politically correct. This is not culturally popular to say, no, the, the leadership in the local church needs to be male, overseers, bishops, deacons, elders. I get it, but you sort of have a choice here, okay? You either go with the culture, we either go with our day and age and say, okay, it doesn't fit so good with God's word, but I'm going to go with the culture and try to make God's word fit with, with the culture. And oh, by the way, the culture is always changing. So if you change here, I'm telling you in five years, you're going to have to change in other places. Or you have to say, no, no, I, I think this is the clear teaching of the word of God. This is God's clear expectations. And I'm willing to take my lumps from the world, come what may. There's a choice, and you just need to know we've kind of chosen, we're going to go with what seems to be the clear teaching of God's book, and we'll take our lumps from the world as they come. But we'll also take God's blessing for lining, best we know how, God's church up with his clear instructions. Um, third conclusion, got two, two minutes, so I'm going to go fast. When you see these qualities shining bright in one of the men in our church, when you see this type of man around you in the church, would you speak up? Um, we don't always know everybody. We don't always hear everybody, those of us um, who are in leadership. And we'd love to hear if you see somebody and you see Jesus shining brightly in their life in, in this kind of way, verses 1 to 13, say something. Encourage them. That'd be good to say it. Wow, I see good leadership Jesus stuff in your life. And then speak up to some of the other leaders. We, we need to hear that. We need to be, and you know, as we start hearing different people singing the same tune about the same people, we're going to start paying attention. And I would say one more thing. If you see in the lives of leaders things that are out of sync with, with God's word, prayerfully, don't do it quickly. Make sure you're full of the Spirit. But you might want to prayerfully think about, you know, I, I'm seeing this going on in your life. And prayerfully take it to them or, or take it to the leaders. And I just want you to know, we all mess up, don't we? We all fall in various ways, Myron. So, so we're all at times going to need the body to say, hey, 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 Jeff, wake up. You're, you're kind of blowing it here. And, and okay, you're right. I need to get back on track. That's what a godly leader should do when they hear that. You know, no, you're, 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 you're wrong here. It doesn't line up with the book. Let's get back on track. Fourth and finally, and we're done, the 12 board members and five pastors who are the leaders in the church at Walloon Lake in East Jordan, uh, Jason and Kelly, Leland and Treva, Kurt and Robin are over at the East Jordan location, they need, they deserve your prayers. Um, I don't know if you are aware of it, but uh, the leaders and their spouses, by the way, verse 11 is talking about deacons and elders' wives. 
We, we all got bullseyes on our backs. We got bullseyes on our families. Um, and we need and deserve your prayers. So, leaders and leaders' wives, 12 board members, pastors, and your brides, I need you to do something right now, okay? Would you stand? Because I want the folks to see who you are, and then we're going to ask them to pray for us. But some of them, they don't know who you are, and they need to pray for you, so stand. Go ahead. If, if you're a leader here in the church at Walloon, or a spouse, verse 11, you're included there too. We, we, need, we need you to pray for us. So now some of you that see people around you who are standing, if you're really bold and brave, would you go and uh, stand near them and let them know you're going to be praying for them? So, yeah, th this is for the extra courageous and brave folks. But, yeah, I'm ask you mean I gotta, you're asking me to get up and move? Yeah, I am. Yeah. You mean like right now? Like right now, some of you, would you go gather around those leaders who are standing and let them know you're going to stand with them? You're going to be praying for them? Yeah. Now write their name down if you don't know their name. And, if, and honestly, some of you might not even know their name. So, so just write their name down so you can pray for them in the days and weeks ahead. Okay? And, and I just want to close by, by praying for them and praying for moi because I'm included in this group. But, but let's just close by praying. Lord, uh, thank you for the leaders in your church. Thank you for those who are standing and for their family and for their spouses. And Lord, the truth is the enemy would love to destroy those standing as your church leaders right now. Matter of fact, uh, I believe he's firing extra amounts of fiery darts on a regular basis at them. So I pray for protection for them. I pray that they might keep their armor on that they might walk closely and daily with your son, Jesus. And uh, Lord, any time we get foolish and wander and stray and drift, Lord, uh, help our family to care enough to come and confront and lovingly encourage us back on the right path. Because Lord, we're human and we're prone to wander and fail just like everybody else. So thank you again for these leaders. I love them. I love your family here at Walloon in East Jordan. Thank you for the blessing that you've blessed us with. And, and thank you for your church, your local church. Weak and goofy as we are, Lord, it's still your plan today to reach and change northern Michigan. So thanks for your willingness to use us. We love you. And it's in the amazing name of the head of the church we pray all these things, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Went a little long, a long passage, but uh, that's all good. If you'd like to uh, stay and uh, worship as we close with a traveling song, you're welcome, but you are dismissed.